Gaming on the Frontier. This is Bruce. This is Trav. This is Jonathan. Welcome to Gaming on the Frontier, your podcast of when you live in Mama's house, you gotta play by Mama's rules. You said we had McDonald's hamburgers. This ain't a McDonald's hamburger. You wait till you get home and talk to your father. Okay. Welcome to Gaming on the Frontier. This week we are talking about all of the groups that are associated with your PCs. And are they helpful? Do they hurt you? And from a more from a game design standpoint than rather players, but certainly players can, can be can be involved in this. Uh, how to make sure that they actually are beneficial and not. Okay? You know, and of course it depends on your game. Because each game is going to have different associated groups. And usually when we talk about associated group, it's not just like the guy who, run, you know, the, the 7-Eleven that you all go down in the middle of the night and, you know, buy, buy the Ripple. We're not talking about those, you know, just your, your everyday merchants and things like that. We're talking about the power structures, the overarching, especially if you are considered part of an organization. Those associated groups, how do they affect you, and is it a good thing or a bad thing? Again, this is the phrase that I have been telling my players, because it seems a lot, they're wanting to do this, and it's the line from the old Justice League comic, when you shake hands with the devil, keep your other hand tightly on your soul. Right, which yeah. did not happen. We had, And I, I mentioned this before, and that's exactly what you said, and that did not happen, but... Fortunately for them, the campaign ended before I had a chance to collect that soul. Because that was coming. That was definitely coming. And again, it, it it's every player. Oh no, I'll be able to get out of that. Oh no, 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 no. Just... Yeah, they, well, they just assume that they'll get tired of their existing character and they'll just bring in a new character. And if, they, if, the, if the character gets harvested after that, it's really not of their concern. You know that's a, that's another problem with our modern you know, gaming, which is is that people don't play characters for the long run. A lot of times they're right. just playing a character. It's that, it's it's the the darkness rising gamer with the I can do this all day mentality. Yeah, but yeah. I mean they they literally the uh, two or three adventures with one character and they're ready for a new character. So you know that's that's how they get out of that. It, now, one of the ways of avoiding some of these problems with like oversight and stuff like that, where basically the, the agency that you know wants to, wants to embed uh, an, an advisor in your group or things like that, is, uh, is that what you ask them to do is you say, look, he says, just give us a budget. And we'll go ahead and, and we'll do the job. You know, pay us up front what you want us to do, and we will complete the job, you know, out of that budget. Whatever we don't use, we get to keep, and it's our it's our pay. 
you know, and that way you have all, all the control because they basically, they're writing the money off, you know, assuming, of course, that you actually do complete the mission, you know, they're writing the money off and it's literally in your hands, you know, and uh, it's, it solves a lot of problems where it's like, you know, oh, uh, you know, we, we need X number of horses, we need X number of wagons, you know, we need these potions, we need all this stuff like that. Then they're like, well, you know, I don't know if we, if we really think that you're going to need all that stuff. It's like, no, you, you give us X amount of dollars, we'll go to the local farrier, we'll go to the local alchemy shop, we'll go and do whatever, okay? It's, you know, you were going to pay we us all this money anyways, yeah, that's the option I would use for like again, like a cyberpunk or you know anything where you're dealing with a corp, you know, corporation or megacorp is like, yeah, you know, like just pay us this much, we'll make sure it's done. You know, don't worry, don't worry. You, especially since most of the time these are going to be like, you know, shadow ops where they don't even want to be affiliated. Right, you write it off as write it off as you know six hundred dollars screwdrivers or toilet seats or whatever. You guys could bet the market campaign. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, but see, it also saves you the problem that you you're not getting into a situation where they provide you equipment that is substandard because they owe somebody a favor or something like that. Okay, you 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 know you. You don't. You're not going to buy that $600 toilet seat unless they need a $600 toilet seat. Okay, so you're going to go in. You're going to do your negotiation. Now, of course, this assumes that it doesn't take forever. You know, but I'm just saying is it. You know, it's you, you can usually get much better value for your money if you do it because you know exactly what you need. Or as the events change and your needs change, you have the money to go and make the changes without having to send it through the IDA and triplicate up and down the, the committees to be approved through the budget process. Or the bureau with, you know, their rigmaroles. Oh, you gotta wait and we gotta get, you know, Robertson at the lab to make it and yeah. Right. I, I, you know, I can only sign off on an expenditure up to $1,000. I can't sign off on this $10,000. Well, who do we need to get this signed off on? Oh, well, we're going to have to go to the division, you know, to have that. You know, we're going to talk to the cardinal or whatever. And you're like, okay, well, can you get us an appointment with the cardinal? You know, oh, sure. I'll, oh, he's a busy man. Yeah, He's a busy man, and I don't want to be beholden to him by doing this. But, you know, yeah. Just give me us. Just give us the damn money, and we will, you know, and and uh, we'll go and get the job done, you know. And uh, a lot of times, I, I think, you know, and, and it may be that you spend all your money on resurrecting somebody, <laughs> but it's nice to have that money also for that purpose as well, because well, it, it's uh, the good things when you do the. Well, just give us a budget. I mean, there's things that GM's got to take into account. One, you got to make sure that these players know beyond a shadow of a doubt, there is no skating with this money. You will be using this money to get stuff for the, and that that's just the GM, you know, doing maybe a little show of power. Also giving the money to the players, it will, if they don't already have the connections, they will build the connections. They're going to be looking for the best deal to get the stuff they need to do the job. So that'll help with the role playing. And after a while, again, they can sit there and say, as my, one of my gamers would say, I know this guy, you know. Right. And, and it, see, it, yeah, it allows you to 
it allows the party themselves to build an associate group that actually benefits them directly rather than having to pick and choose from the available associated groups. And also, here, here's something else. If, if, it, if it's funding, if, if it's a fantasy game, the people that they start collecting and getting their stuff from, they're realizing, hey, the coin purse on that guy is pretty full, and he's pulling out freshly minted coin, or modern day or far future. Oh, this guy has a platinum credit card. Okay, we're gonna we realize we're gonna be getting paid here. It'll help them get. I, I have a Travism, and it's something I came up with in college. There's only two things that count in life, image and results. You get one, you get the other. You lose one, you lose the other. And so that means if, if, the, if he's, you know, this guy that they know, and, they're, and this guy sees, hey, wait a minute, these customers now have, you know, the, the platinum credit card or the gold one, or they got, you know, fat coin purses and they're walking in my shop. They're going to do what they can to help these people out, and it'll grow because, oh, return customer. Oh, and he still has that black, platinum and black credit card. Okay, how can I help you today, good sir? Would you like a free complimentary drink? And just, yeah, it'll, it'll, it helps build that rapport and the networks for the players. And, yeah, it just – because they're realizing, oh, I'm going to get paid today. Yeah. So it just – yeah, it, it helps with – oh, what is it? Networking, that's the term I was looking for. Wow, and I'm drinking tea here, folks. There's no... But yeah, it'll help the players motivate them to build these networks. It just... I've had to do that even with um, Bureau games because, yeah, all my players by now know about the Bureau. They know that if, I'll run a campaign every so often down the road, but they still know the Bureau, the, the deep pockets. But I still have them cultivate... Um their networking capability. I put it on them. Okay, yeah, you have the money, but you need to find out where to get this. And I've had players, they said, well, I, I have some black market dealings. I can, you know, <laughs> okay, fine. You got the blood. We're going to trust you to get us these weapons cheap. Good stuff, cheap. Yeah, and it, it it's it's a building exercise for them. If you do this, give them the budget, do that. Just, <clears throat> oh, excuse me. Um, With I with Unita, yeah, I I kind of let them know off the bat. You have to make do with what you have and get stuff from while you're out. You you are a thousand miles away. You can't go crying back to mom. I I let them know that off the bat that it's like yeah, you have to learn to cultivate networks and connections and agents and free agents and. If you have that base amount, you have to work from there. I make them work for it just because it helps them grow on the grow organically is the term. Yeah. And and it always amazes me in a game like Bureau 13 or in a game like Fringeworthy and such, where they do not where the players and their characters do nothing to try to develop good rapport with tech services. It's just like, okay, I got a requisition. How soon can you get that for me? Uh, I don't know. Probably most of it next week. Some things may be on back order. 
you know, might have to special order some of that stuff. Not, oh, hey, Charlie, you know, since you need this, like, in a week? Oh, I don't know. It might cost you extra. Well, you know, you got the money for that? You know, I might have to, you know, I mean, a relationship rather than just these people that are just, you know. You're not treating them as a commodity. Yeah, yeah. And they, they seem to always do that. I, I've tried so many times to, you know, you know to, to do that. And sometimes I do it by, by pissing them off. Uh, because like I'll send them on an adventure where they're supposed to use some piece of equipment that's been designed by tech services and it's experimental. And so it's got quirks and, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, but the point is, is that, you know, when they come back, you know, after using the equipment, you know, if it, if it, if it had problems, well, then tech services is going to be very apologetic about it. And, and they're going to say, well, we're going to, we're going to try, you know, we owe you one. You know, we're going to try to, to, you know, do you a solid the next time you ask for something. So, it, you know, and, and maybe, you know, maybe somebody will actually ask the name of somebody who works there. <laughs> oh, Rather no, than let's tech services. Let's not crazy here. I know. Get to know NPCs. You're talking crazy talk. Yeah. Talking about your reoccurring NPCs. Let's not know who they are. You know, every... Every single time I have a list of, of NPCs and I'm like, you know, of course, I, I have the problem that I keep forgetting certain people's names. Oh. Because one person's oh, no. name one person's name is Lee Jin and the other person's name is Chen Wei. And, you know, uh, you, you'd think I'd be able to keep those separate. <laughs> I can't. You're the GM. you got a lot going on, okay? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. All right. So, uh, in the time we have left... Um, Let's talk about some examples where, uh, you know, the, having, you know, associated groups actually works well for the players, okay, where it really helps them out, you know, in a way that is actually beneficial to them. So, uh, uh, Jonathan, uh, one example that I thought of was the Local Adventures Guild. How can they, you know, how can they be a, 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 a not encroaching yet uh, supportive organization. One thing that comes to mind, like, you know, assuming if we go with, like, the idea that you're, you're paying some kind of, of guild dues so that you're a, a member in good standing, um, you know, they can help you sell off your magical items that are just too valuable for this poor little town you're in. So they have connections to a larger financial network. Exactly. Yeah, they have they have connections to maybe other guilds and other towns. Um, they can get <clears> you. Um, they can find you work, and that's usually the in, in most video games where you have like an adventurers guild. That's most games where you have a guild at all. That's the whole point of the guild is just to get you work, find you missions, find you quests to do. Right, that are appropriate to your skill level. Yeah. And that's because, because usually yeah, there's always going. it's like you know you go into the in old west and you go into the uh, 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 the Wells Fargo station or you go into the post office and they've got all these posters over the walls wanted you know ten thousand dollar reward five thousand dollar reward one hundred dollar reward you know some of them dead alive some of them are you know live. So, you know, and you come in there and you kind of got to figure that the guy that is $10,000 is going to probably be pretty hard to kill. Maybe, or maybe yeah. he, he just pissed off somebody who was really rich. 
Yeah. Well, yeah. when it's the government, you kind of figure it's... If it's a government bounty, then yeah, probably. Though, to be frank, it's probably Wells Fargo. It's probably... They, they, <laughs> he, he probably stole a gold shipment off of a train yeah, or yeah, off of a, yeah. off of a, you know, but a yeah, wagon. Yeah. The idea is that the, the bounty amount should clear you into how difficult they are, but it that's really no guarantee because the $100 bounty could just be a the new... You know, mass murderer just getting started. Maybe they don't know how good he is. Exactly. So yeah, it's when you have an. Or it may be it may be somebody you know who just doesn't have a lot of money. It's like we'll pay you something, just you know. Now, yeah, now the Adventurers Guild, not they. You can still have that, but it's theoretically less because it's an actual person there to look at you determine what your skill level is and say, okay, I've heard about this guy. He's, he's going to be a little tough for you. How about this guy? Yeah. Maybe you should get yourself a wizard before you go after the gin. Yeah. 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 No, it's like, um, uh, beginning season, the first episode of the Mandalorian where creep Garg is there with the, the fobs. No, 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 not this one here. Here's this one. Or, you know, you can have this one. Yeah. <laughs> Right, right, and and that I think that's a good example. That is kind of like a local adventurers guild, yeah. Yeah. Um, and one of the nice things is is that you know the adventurers guild will reward the PCs as long as they complete the you know, they fulfill the conditions of the quest, even if they have done other things as part of it that actually means that they're on the on the hook for damages. So, for example, is is if you were to go and uh, I don't know, capture this one bad guy, okay, and he, you, they'll give you your ten thousand gold piece reward. But you had a big shootout or something like that in the middle, or you blew out part of the wall around the city during the the the, the arrest, okay. Well, the city might show up and say, okay, you're still liable for this. It says, I'm glad they just paid you because uh, it's, it's funny that. Funny about how the cost is exactly the same as your reward. Yeah. You know? Well, I mean, you, you only want to do that maybe once because hopefully it's where you symbolically walk up to the players and wrap them on the head with your knuckles. Yeah, this will teach you not to do this stuff. Get the job done without putting large holes in the city. Yeah. yeah. You know, draw them out of the city before you attack them. Yes. Yeah. That kind of thing. Okay. Collateral or, damage will drain your pockets. Yeah. Yes. And but the fact is is that you they can be a source of money. And if you're you know, and if you really don't want to pay the city, you can skip town at that point and and knowing that you can't come back because they're now going to be looking for you. Uh, yeah, you're going to have your fellow guild people looking for you. Yeah. Well, it could happen, right? But uh, the point still is, is that you, uh, uh, you can go to another town. You're still a guild member in good standing. You know, you completed your quest. So, uh, you know, if they if they do, if the city does put up a a, a thing on you, then uh, it's kind of like. Uh, that's going to be a problem. You're going to need to you're yeah. going to need to resolve it. But a lot of times, it's just kind of like they leave it to the local law enforcement to you know. I mean, I personally would say you know, a, one of the things that the Adventures Guild should not do is take any quests against a a, a, a a guild member in good standing. They shouldn't take a bounty that way. This is essentially a union. They yeah, they look yeah. after their own. 
yeah, if the city wants to put a bounty up for you, that's fine. But it has, it, you know, you can still go to the Adventures Guild in another town and not worry about someone ready to, you know, uh, sap you in the back of the head as you come through the door because of that, you know. And because uh, you know, usually there's there's a lot of, uh, of rules about you know adventurers fighting each other on guild property. Now I'm getting images of John Wick in the Continental. Oh, ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There yeah. was there there were some serious breaches of etiquette <laughs> in those movies. Uh-huh. Uh, and I'm like, like, okay, so you decided not you decided not to uh, you know uh, you know to, to let things lie after you cut your finger off. <laughs> yeah, you know, we had to keep the movie going. I'm just like, wh- why did you even bother? But okay, anyways, um, the uh, yeah, John Wick not making good decisions. <laughs> yeah, poor life choices. I actually, it. I've actually just recently heard the idea that it is, it is a modern day Homerian epic, like thinking of like the Iliad and the Odyssey. He is a Greek hero with a the fatal flaw. Greek tragic figure, huh? and his fatal flaw is he's he's always on a quest for revenge. It doesn't take much to get him started, and then he just barrels on through. I haven't seen the yep. fourth movie yet, though. So. Yeah, yeah, lo- same here. I haven't he, seen it. Yeah. He lost he lost his anchor. Once he lost his anchor, and then he he lost his anchor, and then and then he had his trigger. <laughs> and after that, it was just it it was just a roller coaster until it finally ends at a bad place. So. All right, but also adventure guilds are good places to find subject matter experts because you know, I mean, everybody, you know, when when you're everyone has a chance to go and look at these various quests that are up there on the walls or whatever, they also get a chance to think about what would it take in order to, you know, to do to do the quest. And even if they don't want to do the quest themselves, they may actually know somebody that could help, you know, uh, somebody else who actually wants to go ahead and take the quest. So it's a good way to, you know, basically uh, noodle amongst other adventurers to come up with some good ideas about, you know, what we would call hints, you know, to completing the, you know, and, and is any, does, are there any rumors or whatever? And, and usually a lot of the rumors have to do with people who might be help, might have things or, or supplies or just knowledge, you know, on the, <coughs> that would be helpful on the quest. And the people that are other adventures there are usually good choices for that. And I've tried to do that in a couple of uh, fringeworthy games where they went into kind of a fantasy world. And uh, which, you know, did, did as well as I guess it could. <laughs> and it's also, of course, it's always a good place to advertise to replace a team member. Because otherwise, you're putting up uh, posters all over town, which are going to be read by what? Just random people walking through town, okay? Uh, and then you're going to have to go and uh, get a r- rent a room from a, an inn, uh, a bar, someplace, so you can actually interview people, and you know all that is basically already taken care of right there at the Adventures Guild. You know they they show up you. Uh, uh, you, you, you have, either you if they're not part of the guild you they join your party and they be, and they go and sign up for the guild uh, or you know you just you, you they most guilds have rooms that you can actually talk to people in and such so it's just to me it's a really helpful place without you know essentially telling you how to do your mission 
Yeah. They make it easier for you to do so, yes. So the uh, the other one I thought of that is a really good example, I thought, you know, of an associated group uh, is uh, is a bank. Yeah, you know, which is usually pretty non-aligned. Okay, I mean, this is one of the cases where you can have multiple associated groups. If one of them is a bank, it's usually okay. Trav, you know, what are the advantages of banks in, in any world? Uh, you get wealth from whatever adventuring you do, and you have a place to keep it. You get gold coins, you have a place to store said gold coins. And why, oh God, I'm blanking on the name, um, Eberron, Dwarven House, um, And I'm blanking, folks. Forgive me on this. Okay, uh, I don't know. I'm not that familiar with the Eberron. Kundarik. That's what it is. The dwarven house in Corvair in the Eberron setting is House Kundarik. And what they do, they run the banking systems in Corvair and, you know, Stormreach and whatnot. They also do security, but that goes hand in hand if you want, you want your bank to be secure. And uh, their primary customers are those who have enough to have something worth protecting, naming the wealthy and powerful other dragon-marked houses and even state governments. And they, uh, I believe they're dragon, yeah, the, the mark of warding, which allows the bearers to secure items, paper, and money. So, yeah, you have this place where you know full well my money is going to be safe. I worked hard killing those orcs and goblins and stealing the wealth that they were going to feed their kids with, and I want a place to store it. You know. <laughs> yeah, I need some. I need. I need some place to keep my blood money. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 It's a ready place to store and uh, and and keep safe your valuables. And you see what you're not doing. In most of those cases, you, is you're not paying for the <clears throat> the upkeep of the protection of your valuables, okay? Because uh, I mean, in some in some worlds, that that's what they would do. They would charge you for a vault, and you just fill it full of stuff. But then, you know, all the protections around the bank and around the vault that would, you know, that may or may not you you have to pay. But nothing like what you'd have to pay. If you had to build your own bank vault, if you had to, you know, your own keep, and you have to surround with a treasure room, and you have to have soldiers and 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 protections, and you know, and stuff like that, the bank's now responsible for handling all that. You just have to pay, you know, if uh, if if you're unlucky, whatever service fee is involved in you keeping stuff in that vault, you know, in in, in your vault, uh, and you may actually if if. Uh, if some of it is in coin, you know, actually species of the land, gold, you know, and you make it available to the bank uh, to use as banks use, you know, for loans and things like that, you can actually earn interest. So they can be a, a, a passive source of income for you, you know, and all you have to do is store your stuff there. And if you are like an agent for the bank and working for them, or at least doing the occasional mission, some of those service fees might even be waived for you. You've been yeah. such a boon to our to our uh, business our here. Establishment. Yeah. Yeah. 
you know, if they are going to charge you any kind of a fee associated with how valuable the items are you're putting in there, or, you know, uh, they have to do an assessment, right? Mm, yeah. They have to figure out how much it's worth. That assessment is going to be independent of the assessment that you might get if you went into a store, let's say, and say, hey, I've got this, this you know, this flawless diamond. It says, what's it worth? You know, and they're like, you know, and they're in the and they're in the in the business of buying and selling gems. <laughs> they're probably not going to give you a uh, they could they could give you a fairly honest amount, or they could give you a very unhonest amount. If you need a, an example of this at work, go back and look at Pawn Stars. Yeah, yeah. The I best I could you, do I, is a hundred dollars. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I saw this thing on sale on eBay for two thousand dollars. Best I can do is twenty bucks. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> and sometimes they were being really honest about it, but sometimes they sometimes I really wondered. But uh, you know, it, sometimes they were honest. Sometimes they 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 would they would excuse it like, well, yeah, I don't know if I can sell it immediately. It's going to sit on my shelf, taking up space, and it's like. Yeah, and then the person stretching. who buys it's not going to buy it for the top price. We're going to have to negotiate down. It's it's got this minor little mark on the corner here that doesn't really affect anything, but still. Yeah, so I can't give you anywhere near market value for it. So yeah, so anyways, and I mean, in a lot of like D and D type campaigns and such, uh, gems are once they've been valued uh, are essentially treated like real money, like gold you know, pieces and such. So, you know, the, uh, uh, so having an independent place to get your valuables valued at before you then go out to the stores and such to sell them or trade for, you know, you know, I'll, I'll give you these three garnets for that potion of extra healing, you know, kind of thing, you know, uh, it's, you know, and they say, well, you're, you're, you know, your, your, your garnets are only worth, uh, you know, uh, you know, 300 gold, and this is a 1500 gold. No, no, no. Uh, you know, the, the bank of the exchequer has, uh, uh, has certified that these things are worth 500 apiece. So that is, you know, that's a fair value for it, for, you know, something we know you're already marking up. <laughs> so, and then you look and, you know, I can take my business elsewhere if you're, you know, doubting the exchequer. No, 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 no. Yeah. yeah and, and you know that's so it's it's good it's good to have that and like i said it's you know they they can usually since you're keeping your you know you you're doing business with them as you they may waive fees they may give you a discount you yeah. know there's any number of things they can do they'll like, give you, you the know. hookup yeah as they say yeah, right yeah, right not to mention in D D at the very least you know the certain certain spells require a gem of a certain gold piece value well <clears throat> yeah you know the exact value then to have have this assessment done because you know just go again go into the local gem dealer there might you know lowball you yeah and, yeah and various types of gems are various differences in sizes he says you know something something the size of your uh, the last joint on your pinky as a, as a as a diamond you know or something like that you know may that might be worth 300 gold but you buy something that's quartz you know it might be a very beautiful piece of quartz but it might be the size of a softball <laughs> so there's there's a lot of variance there, you know, and it's especially important when you're doing any kind of bartering, you know, which 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 happens when you know when people have an idea of what 
their stuff is actually worth. Okay, uh, another thing that isn't, you know, isn't a big deal in modern day, at least it seems, but was a really big deal in the past, is the conversion of wealth uh, from one type of coin to another. I mean, back in colonial days, money in one colony area, one state, you know, was not was worth anything in the next one over. You had to get it exchanged, and the people that did that might do it at, you know, ruinous rates, okay? But so. Somebody, you know, and I can tell you that you know, having occasionally gone out of the country, uh, and having money when I came back, that more money than I wanted to keep as a keepsake, I could just go down to my local bank and say, "I'd like to turn this into American money," and they would go and say, "All right, fine," and they would go and they'd write down the 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 the, the things, and they'd say, "This is current exchange rate. Yep. This is the current exchange rate. This is the date. This is what they're worth." You know, please sign and say yes. You accept that, and then they take it off and they uh, they bring me back some money and give it to me. You know, uh, when I was in Russia, uh, there literally were machines. You know, where you put in a credit card and they would give they spill spill out how many hundreds of rubles that you just asked for. You know, uh, we tried to to use credit cards wherever we could because that way it was all digitally. We didn't have to. But when we finally came home, we did have a you know, some amount of uh, hundreds of ruples we had to to get exchanged. You know, there there were literally million dollar. Uh, uh, we when we were in um, uh, Southern Africa, there, there were guys coming up to us trying to sell us million dollar bills. Okay, uh, for twenty bucks, and you know, and I was like, ah, right, that's okay. And he says, you know, this is, this, is, this is a great deal, you know? And and I'm like, I'm sure it is, but I'm not interested in, in uh, you know, in your great deal, <laughs> okay? And I found that later... Wait a minute. A, mil, a million-dollar American bill or a million-dollar bill of their currency? No, 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 no. It was their local... Their currency. No, their currency, okay? And we, we'd already gotten coinage in, in our local money, you know, some of their... So we, you know, and, and it was much lower denominations. Okay, well, what it turned out was is that you know at some point in the past there had been a uh, regime change, and there was a there was some hyperinflation that happened during that, and uh, all of a sudden you know and the and the 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 when they basically redid the the uh, the money situation, it was now those co- uh, th- those bills that are a million were now only worth like you know. 100. <laughs> and other than having a million dollar bill, you know, that obviously wasn't printed, you know, out of a copier, you know, I mean, this was a legitimate bill with all the colorations and it was a very fancy looking bill. Um, but it, it was, you know, you didn't know what it was actually worth and it was worth almost nothing. I, I mean, I, I'm not even sure, sure it was worth $10. It was probably, you know, it was. He was asking like twenty dollars American for it. It was probably worth fifty cents. I don't know. Might might have been even less. But I, you know, we we didn't go for it. But that's we yeah. Up here in Detroit, we have because I'm so close to Canada. You know, it's a what half hour drive to Windsor. We deal with a lot of Canadian. Well, I haven't seen a lot of Canadian money around, like change and all that. But back in the day, you know. You know, when it was all on, you know, and yes, I'm 54, so I can get away with saying this. You know, back when it was still on, you know, 
strings with the coins and the holes in the middle and all that. We had plenty of Canadian coins. So here and my one friend, Emmy Briette, who lives up in Minneapolis, they're having to deal with the, we have to deal with the Canadian exchange rate on the regular. And um, Bruce, you remember back in the day we did the Pets mini mini uh, episode with uh, my girlfriend at the time, Becky. She lived up in Port Huron. Okay. She had to deal with that because she worked for a long time at the Port Huron Coles. And when that Canadian American exchange rate was good, they she'd be having busloads of older Canadian women coming over shopping at Coles for the day. And this would be like a once a week thing. And they, you know that they would be going to the bank and getting whatever Port Huron Bank is there. But yeah, it the the exchange rate, and of course in fantasy, you would have the thing of you're not gonna find the current coin of the realm in these dungeons you go in. These dungeons are old structures. You're going to have coin from either previous kingdoms or other kingdoms altogether. So you're going to have to go and say, okay, we got these coins. We found them in the dungeon that's five miles outside of town. Are they the same? Can I get a decent exchange rate? Do they have the same percentage? Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you know, of course, you got the guy who you know puts it in his teeth, and yeah, it seems good. You know, but yeah, you you're going to deal with that a lot in fantasy, just because of the old coinage that you would find in the dungeon, the crypt, whatever. So yeah, it, it having a bank handy is good just for finding out if yeah, we just loot this dungeon. What do you mean it's all worthless? You know, we almost got killed for what? But at least you have that there and you know you're going to get with a bank a reasonably fair deal. They just got to deal with like what what um, the economics and the politics of the land and the adjourning kingdoms and all that. They're still beholden to that, but you're going to get a lot better than going to some guy. And yeah, what do you give me for these coins that I got in a dungeon? If you have that bank, at least you're going to have a better chance of getting a decent amount. It's just they still are beholden to the economic laws of whatever lord is running the town. Um, oh, what? There was something else about. Um, uh, I wanted something about Star Trek with the Latinum and credits and all that. You'd have to do that too. So, Mouse, I was like, yeah. mentioned is that even if you know if you're again going like medieval a lot of banks had the authority to print their own coinage um, and so as long as you're bringing in them gold or silver or you know any they can coinage, just yeah they can just yeah. melt it down make their own coin so they're they'll just be willing you know to as pay as long you as it's the same the, percentage of gold right. in the coin right yeah and that would be somebody who can, you know, roll that appraise skill, you know. Well, but that's but, also why when they strike, you know, they strike a coin, which is they take basically a disc that's the coin, and they take a, 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 a basically a, a, a it's a, a, a bias relief made out of metal, and they take it and they strike it. They hit the bottom of it and imprints it into the face of the coin, and it has things like so and. You know, it's this is so and so pure. You know, this is and it's oh, okay. it's it's been certified by you know this bank or this 
whatever. So you can say with some confidence that this coin is in fact what it is because you know it's when you strike it like that, it's 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 a you know it leaves a deep groove and stuff like that. Someone has to put a lot of effort into counterfeiting that. Not that it doesn't happen, but you know that's that's one of the reasons they they struck coins rather than cast them was because you know that way they could you know uh, they could make these kinds of changes and such. Yeah, you say this this group over here is is this percentage, this group over here is that percentage, and you could have different things to strike them with, even though everything else, the co the actual molding of the slugs, uh, were you know using the same the same apparatus. Uh, one of the really greatest things about putting your money into a into a bank where there if there is a a state, national, or especially a world banking system, is the fact that they can issue you a line of credit. They can, you know, uh, and that, you know, or basically saying we have X amount of money in our bank. And then you can go and take that to another part of the world and go to a bank there and they will give you credit for that. And you can use it like real money without having to carry thousands of pounds of species, yeah. <laughs> vast distances, you know, as part of your adventuring. Yeah, if if the bank you're working with, even if it's there isn't a national or you know a, a a banking system, if it's a big enough bank that it has a reputation for always you know supporting its its we will honor its this credit credit yeah. its its letters of credit, then yeah, that's suit because now instead of you carrying all you know, I mean, I have characters that have you know had thousands of we're like you know. Can we buy some, you know, uh, uh, holes of, you know, uh, portable holes? Okay, so you're going to spend thirty thousand credit uh, gold pieces, so you can pour your gold into that. Okay, so you, it's not going to, it's only going to weigh ten pounds instead of the, the thousands of pounds it would weigh otherwise. Okay, so but you're still having to pay all this money to ha be able to, you know, you're still paying money to cart it around instead of having literally something in a tube like a scroll case. That basically says you've got a million gold piece credit based upon the king, the Duchy of Grand Fenwick, you know, and uh, and you can take that anywhere because the Duchy of Grand Fenwick, you know, is a is a world renowned uh, uh, silver uh, producers, and they're not going to, you know, they're they're not going to go under anytime soon. So that's that's a, a huge thing you can do if you have a a, a big world that's this that's not like just coming out of a dark age, you know, it's if you're if you're in what's a more mature uh, fantasy type setting or a modern setting, that just reminded me that even if you're not dealing with a bank, uh, a large enough kingdom, the king's treasury might be able to provide a lot of these same services. Yeah. The problem about going to the king's treasury, or whatever, is that they know how much money you have, and they will tax you. They will tax you. <laughs> it, it, this is true. You you will not be able to avoid the king's tax this way. But hopefully, if if the king's even letting you use his treasury, then or her, if it you know, maybe Queen. you're on good terms. But also things like you know, if they know you've got a lot of money, you know, in their bank, they may come up to you and say, "Hey, we have this opportunity, you know, for you, and we'd like you to do this for us," and they'll give you a quest. Okay, that you can earn money off of, or they might just say, "Hey, you know, we, you know, we would like you to develop this area of the country." 
there's a title in it for you. We know yeah. you got the money. One of the biggest problems with running into dragon hordes and other things like that is the fact is that it, by bringing that back to town, you should be destroying the economy of the entire region. Right. Okay? But if you take that money and you put it into a bank where it basically is, is, is now a, 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 a line on a ledger sheet, the bank can then decide how it wants to release that money out into the kingdom. You know, maybe it'll start building, you know, more, uh, you know, more public works with that money, okay, uh, and give you, you know, and give you more money back for it. The point is they now have the species to do it, and they, they can basically use it without crushing the economy. You know, people who know how to use money can do a better job than a bunch of adventurers. Who are, honestly, let's be honest, probably going to just throw a gigantic kegger at the tavern when they get back. Well, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and hey, there's nothing wrong with one giant kegger at the tavern, okay? No, there's not wrong, especially if you... If you do it every week, then suddenly, you know, there might be a problem. When you host a month-long kegger, that, yeah, that's thing a little weird. Well, first of all, there's not going to be any alcohol for, for a hundred-mile radius anyways. Well, that's why it only lasted a month. Yeah. They literally ran out. They were, you know... They were, they, were, they were sending adventurers out into the hills to find blackberries so they could stomp them into, you know, you know take, take dwarves with the bigger feet and stomp them into, into, into something that could turn into wine. Yeah. Okay, but I'll just say, yeah, I mean, a bank, because they actually know how to handle money, uh, are usually much better places to keep it and keep the economy safe so you don't suddenly find out that, you know, that $1,500 potion of extra healing now costs you 5000 Because, of course, you know, if you start spreading that money around, these people are, you know, you spend it, they want to spend, everybody wants to spend their money. Somebody decides to raise their prices. We're all very aware of what happens when people decide to raise their prices. For no good reason other than they think they can make more profit. Well, yeah, yeah. This is, I mean, this is the classic story of the, of the lottery jackpot winner. If you know, if you if you are not fully prepared to not spend that money, you're probably going to end up worse off than when you made it. That's all. The, those are the two examples I had where you know local groups. As you could be associated with could actually be beneficial to you without being overly, um, uh, you know, overbearing, too demanding, um, uh, obstructionistic, you know, in one way or another. Can you think of any other groups that, any other uh, organizations that you, that adventures or uh, players in various games could be affiliated with? I'm going to tell you this, Bruce, that coming up with the, the bank idea, that was out of left field. I didn't see that one coming. I was like, a bank? Okay. And then I'm looking at this going, oh, yeah. You know, just, yeah. So tip of the hat to you on that, sir. The the one thing I, I can think of is like a an organization um, that has one very specific, very narrow goal. And as long as you're pursuing that goal, they will provide you – Again, some of these similar backup um, information, but if, anything you're doing outside of that one specific goal, they just really they just don't care. It, it, not not our not our purview. 
Uh, coming up with the example of that, the only one that screams to my mind right now, but I, I can't speak with confidence on it, is, again, from Starfield. The whole point is you join this group called Constellation, and their one goal is to explore the universe. Mankind has gone out and explored the stars and, and colonized all these different star systems, and then exploration kind of took a back seat, and this is like an organization that's focused on just that, continuing to explore and expand horizons. And apparently they let you do whatever you want in, in the means of that. Whether that be become a pirate or become a, a cap, you know, a capitalist, uh, you know, uh, big wig, however you want to do it. As long as you're expanding the human knowledge, they don't care. But again, I haven't gotten too far in the game, so I don't know how accurate that is that's still a lot of wiggle room there just yeah. that's the whole point is that they don't they don't they don't really curb your your freedom so much as they give you a little bit of support as long as you're bringing back you know progress on the one goal they have for you finding alien artifacts and why am i reminded now of indiana jones with how he is yeah he's got the university backing him this guy can skate out of teaching whenever he wants but that's because Indy's constantly bringing back artifacts to put in the college's museum. So a university would be working for them, having them as your mama bear. Because what you bring back basically enlarges the, um, uh, the reputation of the university. And, and that brings in more endowments, that brings in... You know, uh, they can raise their prices for their uh, tuition and such because people are going to see that as the place they want to go. Their students are going to be are going to be more. Uh, uh, as long as you don't get Dr. Jones for archaeology, because he's always going to be having a teaching assistant run the class while he's elsewhere in the world. Yeah, you got to assume that you know that Dr. Jones is teaching. You know, uh, uh, teaching assistant is just top of the line. Yeah, yeah, it'd have to be. <laughs> Because, you know, yeah, otherwise. But, yeah, one, once you were saying that, Jonathan, about, yeah, you can do what you want as long as you're further in. First person came to my fedora and bullwhip. Yeah, that's how he is. Why this yeah. man would have a job any other really? Nope. It's because we got three, you know, three Christian artifacts there and back in the museum. Yeah, okay, yeah, let him go. Just He's, yeah, gonna he's, bring back he's technically on the faculty, but they treat him more like a guest lecturer. Yeah. And, 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 and spoiler alert at the end of Crystal Skull, he ends up by what assistant Dean or associate Dean, where he's getting the letters on his door and everything. And Jim Broadbent, no, make the letters bigger. So yeah, he ended up getting a full position on the staff and just, yeah. Presumably because he retired from adventuring. (laughs) Yeah, right. Exactly. Then the new one comes out. All right, I have one last example, which you know, uh, which is really, as you put it, Trev, left field. Okay, I highly recommend the movie because it is a movie, and it's called The Pope's Exorcist. I think I may have heard of it. It's really well done, and I swear that the the demon is being voiced by um, the guy who did Golem. Andy Circus, oh, okay. Andy Circus, yeah. It's got lots of really good jump scares and frightening things and stuff. But the point is, is that oh, this just you, came out. Oh, yes, okay. you just get this guy is basically he uh, he's the exorcist uh, who's been put in place by by the bishop. 
Okay, the Bishop of Rome. Do you know who the Bishop of Rome is? It's the Pope. Oh, okay, 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 okay. The first among bishops, yeah. Usually bishops all kind of like have their own little areas and stuff, and they can basically get together and gang up on each other, but nobody gangs up on the Pope. So basically, he's been put in place to be the exorcist, you know, by, and the other people can have it too. And he does a really good job of it. The problem is what he does is a huge embarrassment to everybody else in the church. This is modern 21st century. We don't have demons and exorcisms and things like that. We have people who have mental problems, okay? We have, you know, uh, uh, bipolarism. We have all these things. We do not have demon stuff, okay? And you, sir, you know, are not helping these people when you do your little exorcisms. And he says, well, if you don't like it, you're going to have to take it up with my boss, the Bishop of Rome. <laughs> Your boss, the Pope. So this is a case where he has this association which allows him amazing access to things, okay? But they are not placing any restrictions on him. They want to. Oh, they want to. They want to take him and put him out in the middle of nowhere. But he basically gets to do whatever he wants to do because... You know, the Pope likes him. The Pope knows he's doing God's work. And so, and that the demons are, are real, you know, in, in the movie. So it's, uh, he's doing good things. So he backs him up. But other than that, he basically, you know, goes around and does his thing and thumbs his nose at the Council of Bishops who basically want to stop him from, from doing what he does. Uh, so this is an, this is my last example where we've got you know, a group that he's associated with and they want, you know, and theoretically they would be really overbearing on him. But the fact is, is that they can't touch him. So he, he, it's, it's a win. It's a, it's a win-win because there are demons. He is doing his job. Okay. But, you know, uh, and he doesn't have to put up with, with stupid stuff happening because of politics and whatever, you know, in Rome. They, they would love to stand in his way, but they, they have a very thin line as to how much they can stand in his way. Right, yeah. And uh, they, they keep talking, they, they keep wanting to replace, you know, the, the Pope, saying that he's, he's old, he's not feeling well, and all these things like that. And they're just basically, they're lying. They're trying to say that he's unwell. The man's in his you know, 70s, 60s, 70s. He's not a spring chicken, okay? But he's not about to die. He's not feeble-minded. But they keep talking like he needs helpers, you know, and stuff like that all the time, you know? And the Pope knows that. And he doesn't complain about it because he also knows that as long as he doesn't complain about it, then they don't try to replace him, and he can continue to support his exorcist. So it's a really good movie. I recommend seeing it. It's an hour and a half long, you know, or, or close to two hours, and it's uh, it's it's probably the best uh, exorcism, you know, type movie I've seen since The Exorcist. And okay. that's been like thirty years. Yep. Hour forty three. I'm on IMDb now. Russell Crowe stars in it, folks, and just, yeah. So. Yeah, he is the he is the exorcist. Yeah. Looks good just from seeing the silent trailer here. Oh, yeah. yeah. Every, all the actors are, and, and, the, and the kid actor, you know, the, uh, 
is just phenomenal. They're all they're all pretty amazing. You know, they they you don't you really don't see any false notes and and I like the fact, you know, that they the first thing they do is, is that before we go and do this exorcist, we're going to go and have a uh, uh, we're going to confession. You confess your sins to me, and I will absolve them, and then you, I will confess my sins to you, and you absolve me. Okay, because that way it's all under the blood, and the demon can't use them against us. These people are not saying I'm the great exorcism. No demon can stand before me. They're all very humble. They it, it, it's completely in line with. I'm just a man working for the Lord. Let's do this. That's right, and yeah. and I'm not going to give you an edge if I can avoid it, you know. And he keeps telling them, just don't give them an edge. Don't tell me everything. Don't don't hold anything back because they will figure it out, you know. So the, and there are and there are rules about exorcism that you learn as the movie goes on, and it's it's really very good. It's very good. But anyways, the point is, is that that's a good. I think that's a, another example of where an organization could be good for you. If they can't control you, and in this case, under his very specific situation, it was very good for him. You know, the. Uh... All right. Well, thanks everybody for listening to us. Uh, we hope that you've gotten some insight into how to use these associated groups. And I want to give a big shout out to Fear the Boot, Dan, and all his crew because I basically cribbed this this idea from one of their recent podcasts. Uh, Obviously, we did it a different way because we're a different group, but we just wanted to give credit where credit is due. And thanks every all the people out there that are doing all these podcasts and uh, and basically spreading the 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 better ways and how to bring the awesome to your table. You know, whether it's from us or anybody else, we hope you get it and we hope you use it and we hope you're awesome because you guys are awesome. You're all, you know, role players; they're a cut above. We'll see you all in a week for more stuff like this, but you'll have to wait until then. This is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Gaming on the Frontier podcast is wholly owned by its hosts. It is released under the Creative Commons 3.0 license. No commercial reproduction and any use of any element of the podcast must be attributed to the Gaming on the Frontier podcast. Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org colon 8027.